Welcome to the premium sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. It's Testimony Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you listen to Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Thanks for supporting World Evangelism with your premium subscription and enjoy today's testimony. All right, welcome back to another episode of Testimony Tuesday on the Virginia Beach Potter's House Sermon Podcast. It's another Tuesday edition where we are interviewing a pastor. And uh, on this wonderful Tuesday, as you uh, have already guessed by clicking on this episode, uh, we are interviewing a young man named Rick Palma. Pastor Rick from Texas, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me on. Oh, my, my pleasure. Actually, um, you know, we don't we don't know each other, but uh, we uh, connected via TV Gauna. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, right. yeah, he's one of our premium subscribers. And uh, so he uh, let me know that uh, that he would nominate you for a Testimony Tuesday. So we have him to thank uh, for your presence here tonight. Oh, I really uh, appreciate the uh, opportunity. Uh, when he told me about it, I was sort of shocked. But um, uh, so he started getting me into the podcast and started listening to it. And, uh, you know, it, it really uh, you can see, you know, different backgrounds from where people have come up from. And, uh, you know, it's amazing what God has done, you know, throughout all the throughout all of the uh, the U.S. and, you know, all, all over the place. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a it's a great opportunity just to at least be a part of it, I guess. Well, I love so, doing Testimony Tuesday because it's an opportunity to give glory to God for all of his incredible miracles. Right. This is how we defeat the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. So. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to join us for this Testimony Tuesday. And so for those who don't know you, including myself, why don't you give us uh, just a short background of, uh, of your, uh, where you are and, and what's your current position? Well, uh, I'm actually uh, I'm out from the Austin, Texas, uh, Southside Austin, Texas church. We were launched out uh, this past conference, the 2021 Bible Conference in San Antonio, Texas under Pastor Ruby. And so we were actually launched out to Hilo, Hawaii. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually from the island of Guam. Uh, I'm a Pacific Islander, uh, Chamorro by nature. I'm, uh, was first, uh, introduced to the fellowship back in 1993, uh, as a young age, around eight years old. Oh, that's going back a ways. Yeah. So I, I have quite a background of, of being in the fellowship, you know, and uh, knowing about our fellowship, our, you know, way, uh, our kind of our pattern of how we do things, uh, you know, the standards of what we have, uh, of what we build on, you know, it's being built into us, you know. And so uh, I know a lot about it, especially all the way from Guam, being under uh, several pastors um, until Pastor Cluck came in. Uh, I came here in the U.S. Uh, to Texas in 2003, and so uh, coming here uh, when, I, when I turned 18, I was deciding to go to school, and so I came out here, uh, still having my background, you know, of uh, uh, in me about going to church and stuff like that, and uh, you know, be growing up, been there in 10 years in the fellowship under uh, Victory Chapel. Uh, know about the healing crusades of seeing many, many miracles taking place, uh, you know, but coming out to the U S uh, there's a different, uh, I would say dynamic out here only because it's much a, of a broader place and much uh, wider things, uh, things, more things to do, more distractions, you know, being in the islands, everyone thinks about, you know, the beaches, you know, the sand, you know, the surfing and, you know, the great views and all that kind of stuff. But when you go around it, you know, I mean, seeing beach every single time you pass by it, you know, to you, it just becomes uh, just something normal, something natural. And so the island of Guam is really 30 feet long, um, 30 feet, 30 miles long by eight miles. And so coming here to the U.S., I mean, there's just so much land, you know, and a uh, different uh, city, uh, the way the city is. 
much, much more bigger, uh, you know, hours of drive. So it's more of a distraction. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, I uh, grew up around it, but, uh, you know, leaving, leaving Guam and coming here was uh, kind of a breaking point for me because, you know, uh, you know, when you're growing up around things, you kind of feel uh, more like, you know, this is how I've always done things. I've never experienced uh, certain things. And so I was never, you know, I'm not the type of person that was on a gang. You know, I grew up in a, in a great home, great family. Uh, my parents are still married, you know. Were, were your parents part so, of the church there in Guam? Yes, uh, they still are. And so, oh, wow. Okay. Um, so they've yeah. been around for a long time then. Yes. Uh, so 93, we actually started in a very small church, you know, just um, maybe a 1500 square foot building, maybe if that at the time. And then we grew over the years. When I left, it was about 250 people. And I believe uh, uh, the last revival I heard they had, they had already 900 people. Uh, attending the service there in Guam now. Oh my gosh, that's a, unbelievable. Yeah, so it's a it's a big difference uh, uh, from all that, and so. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, coming out here, you know, I mean, like I said, I I knew all about this stuff, but uh, coming here was just something different. I didn't expect, uh, you know, out there in Guam, you have you know certain type of uh, people doing things. You know, I never knew about rap. I never knew about you know, certain type of music until I came out here. I uh, started working, getting to know different types of people and how they did things. What was your connection to Texas? How did you decide to go there? Uh, someone came to do a presentation on a school um, for Universal Technical Institute. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really good with, you know, uh, building things with my, you know, building things and thing, anything I can get my hands on, I can take apart and put back together it was it's such a joy for me and so you know I got connected to that and I wanted to go to it and so I came to Houston but when I arrived um, I was told my grandmother was was not doing too good and so I moved to Colleen and uh, there I was you know taking care of my grandmother for a while the next thing you know what I just kind of settled in Colleen I never went to the school I ended up going to ITT Tech and so I uh, kind of, it pushed me away, you know, from, from the will of God of, you know, starting to gain new friends, different type of peers of people. And uh, it really just changed uh, who I was. And so, you know, as the Bible say, you know, you can't, you know, you can't mix, you know, that yoga. And so I, that's what I did. I kind of got caught up in the, you know, type of friends that were into rap music. You know, I mean, honestly, I, I didn't even know who Tupac was until I got introduced to it. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm following the same things my friends were doing. And then things started to progress even more where I started getting caught up in drugs. I got caught up in drinking a lot, going out to clubs. And then before I knew it, um, you know, I got caught up in a relationship after relationship. And then one of my relationship ended up having a daughter. When that took place, I was still into the drugs. I was still into drinking. I was still doing into my, you know, doing whatever I wanted to do. And uh, that actually ended up turning for the worst of me because um, I paid more attention to what I wanted rather than, you know, desiring things for my family. And so um, my girlfriend at the time ended up saying that she was going to leave. And, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I was kind of like, you know, <clears throat> you know, they kind of blindsided by it. But, uh, you know, I mean, when it took place, it really, it put me into a position where I was just so shocked because I never experienced, you know, anything like that where I just started losing everything. And she left with my daughter. I couldn't speak to her, couldn't see her for a while. I mean, it was like two whole months that I couldn't speak or see her. And then... So, so you having a, a church background and coming from a Christian family where... There was, you know, there was revival in your family at one point. Um, had, had you ever been born again up until this point? Or would you say that you were uh, unsaved? No, I mean, uh, so, I mean, it's kind of a wild background, you know. When I was in high school, I want to say maybe my freshman, sophomore year, 
I was really on fire, you know, I mean, um, I had everything inside me. I mean, I was so excited just to be at the church. Uh, even if my family wasn't going, they could just like drop me off and I would go to the outreach. And I wanted, I was so excited to be there. I mean, it came to a point where I started, you know, I was in, I started hearing from God. I mean, I'm talking about like really hearing from God, like the voice of God. And I heard God telling me, you know, Hey Rick, I want you to talk to this person and I want you to talk to this person. And, you know, that was, you know, something I was like really trying to starting to understand. And um, I guess it was a tipping point in my sophomore year. Uh, you know, we were like having tremendous revival, but in my sophomore year, uh, I felt the spirit of God like turning me around and uh, point at one of my friends, one of my best friends that I grew up from kindergarten to high school. And God told me, I want you to tell him about me. And so I kind of, you know, I said, okay, you know, you know, I will do that. But as I turned around to go talk to him, he was talking with someone. So I, you know, I didn't want to be rude in a sense of way. So I wasn't talking. I was, I told him, okay, I'll wait till they're done. But uh, what happened was the bell had rang. And so when I went out to go meet him, he was already gone. And so I said, you know what? Okay, Lord, I'm going to, you know, I can't find him. I'll talk to him the next time I see him. The next couple of classes go by and uh, he wasn't there. <clears throat> so I started questioning it, you know, where is he, you know, and, and so a couple more days go by and he's still not there. And then I go to one of my classes and one of my teachers ended up talking about a young man that had taken his own life. And so I started thinking, you know, Oh my God. Um, so she started explaining the way he looked, the way he dressed, uh, the style that he had. And I said, man, that's, that sounds just like him. And so I was, you know, I said, that can't be him. Cause that's, I don't know if he's a junior or not, but that's his name. And so I started questioning it. And then the very next morning uh, I met up with one of our other friends that we all grew up together with. And I asked him, Hey, uh, uh, where's so-and-so. And in my language, uh, he ended up told me, telling me in my language that he had, he passed away. And so, you know, it, it shook me for a moment because at that point, when he told me that, like, I felt, I, I felt the spirit of God just leave me. Like I failed, you know, and I was like, oh, I was like, man, there was nothing I could do at that point. It's, I felt like I couldn't pray. I couldn't lay hold of God because I felt such a failure in my life that it shook me to my core that I just started backing away from the things of God. And so, so you, you took that on yourself or basically <laughs> that because you failed to, uh, to witness to him that, uh, you felt responsible that he had died. Correct. Yeah. I looked at it as, you know, it was like, you know, uh, his blood was on my hands, you know? And, uh, at that point when I was looking at that, I was just, I couldn't face myself to go back to God and say, God, I failed you, you know? Because, you know, I felt that really the spirit of God really hit me at that point and says, I want you to tell them about me. And I could remember so vividly, like God telling me to point out certain people to talk to you and I could. But it was just that one moment that I just let slip that all, all of a sudden just broke me down. And so I carried that as such a burden on me that I ended up, I ended up backing away from church. I was no longer in outreach. I was no longer you know, street preaching, uh, you know, it really put me to a point where I started, I started missing services and, um, you know, I started losing myself. I, I just lost myself, you know, and, and then later on coming to the States, it just progressed from there. Yeah. Wow. So that, that's, that's quite an event. Um, I, I'm wondering, um, I'm wondering about your relationships in the church. Cause no doubt, you know, when God was moving in your life, you had good relationships with other people. You know, what, what were they doing when they saw you begin to back away? Yeah. So, you know, uh, a lot of people have always, they've reached out to me, um, you know, starting to go, Hey, you're going to come and outreach. There'll be many of the guys that would come, Hey, uh, for the Bible studies in the schools. Hey, Rick, you know, let's go to Bible study. Let's go to Bible study. Yeah, sure. Sure. And I would simply run the, the other direction. Um, you know, as they would go and reach other people to try to outreach them, bring them to the Bible study, I would literally walk towards the Bible study and walk the other way from the door. Uh, sometimes when it was, you know, other, you know, they'll have, you know, a lot of the girls will be going around trying to pull the guys in the church. I would literally run into the restroom and hide in there until they left. 
And so that was kind of my spirit was just like really running away from God, you know? And so that was basically, you know, how it, it really impacted my life because even though my friends tried to reach me, they would go and they would visit me. It was more me pushing away. I started working a lot longer uh, just to stay away from the church. And I would tell, hey, I'm working. And so it was always excuse after excuse after excuse just to stay away because, you know, failure can really bog you down. And so, uh, you know, when, when you attach it to your life, it just, you know, if you don't, if you don't let that go, it, it can take a toll on you even for the long run. Yeah. How old were you when you when when you had that failure, that event that took place? Uh, I was probably uh, 16 at the time. OK, so still pretty young. But this uh, this caused you kind of have a, a spiritual tailspin and began running from God. And it it led to your decision to move to the States, which mm-hmm. you uh, it sounded like you were kind of pursuing a, a career, but um, that. It led to to decisions and and things that that sounds like it was taking you the wrong direction. So um, how were you processing this like spiritually? Was God dealing with you throughout this whole time? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I I I can't say for sure, you know, like maybe I don't know if this is really putting it to to, you know, what it's being asked. But, you know, I would say that the one point. I wasn't saved. I knew I was far from being saved. But I once again, uh, at some point, uh, I was at work and I was looking at a guy uh, that was clocking out. And I felt that, that not felt, but I heard that same voice tell me the same thing. I want you to tell him about me. Oh, wow. And, uh, and you know, my heart was shook because I said that this can't be God because <laughs> You know, I do drugs, man. I mean, I'm doing heavy drugs. I said, this can't be God. And, you know, there's no way God talks to a sinner like this. And so I, I ignored it. And what's so crazy about it was the very next day we came into work, uh, they had a meeting. Uh, they pulled a meeting that this young man, that the same young man that was clocking out, uh, took his own life that night. Oh, my God. He overdosed himself with pills. I can't imagine that that would have affected you well. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, that point too, it made me question myself is, you know, uh, was God trying to call me back? But you know, when, when you're in your sin, you know, really uh, you're not indulging in the things of God, you know? And so you're really just setting yourself apart and you're not thinking of anything about it. And so, you know, sometimes you have to hit a rock bottom uh, for you to really reach, you know, for really, for you to get a hold of something, you know? And so that's basically what took place. Um, you know, when, when, when my ex left, it was like, I had nothing else left. And so I had, I didn't, I lost my kid, you know, she was gone. She took her away. And, you know, for one whole week, I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I was so stressed out. I was so depressed that I lost 24 pounds in one week. Wow. So what happened next? And so um, when I, I already knew I couldn't do nothing, my work started trying to put me into to therapy. Um, but, um, you know, I was really spiraling out of control until uh, I got into my car one day and I said, you know what, my family around me don't want to talk to me. My friends don't know who I am anymore. I'm trying to talk to them and no one would help me. No one would take my call. I can't talk to my daughter. I couldn't reach out to nobody. No one was taking my call. And what's crazy, because, you know, back then, this was um, 2010, you know, they still had the cell phones with the antennas on it. And so the antenna on my phone was broken. I had to kind of wiggle it around or put it a certain place for it to get a, a good signal. And so I was at a position while I was in my car. I knew I had nothing left. I was just, you know, I was weeping in my car. And, you know, I'm at work. And I'm sitting in my car and I told myself, I said, you know what? I have nothing else to turn to. And so I had these pills in my car and I poured the whole thing in my hand. I said, you know what? This is my last straw. I'm done. Um, and so before I could, you know, I started, as soon as I poured it out and I was weeping and crying, um, all I told myself was, you know what? Somebody's going to come look for me and they're going to find me 
And this is going to be the moment where, you know what, hey, they, where's Rick? So somebody's going to finally look out for me and it'll be time where it's too late and I'm done. And so I, I just didn't care anymore. And so I'm putting these pills now towards my mouth and all of a sudden a text comes through my phone and I'm weeping and I'm looking and I turn and I look at my phone and to my amazement, it had full bars on my phone. I mean, it was like fully connected. And the number that was on there, uh, I didn't know who it was, but I recognized the area code and the area code was coming from Guam. And so when I looked at the text message, the text message read, hey, Rick, how are you doing? I didn't know who it was, but when I saw the opportunity that it was a full bars, I called that number and happened to be my brother. And I haven't, oh, wow. and I haven't talked to him for over two and a half years. And it was amazing because uh, he was actually a pastor. He was launched out. I think it was uh, 2000, I want to say 2008, maybe he was launched out. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't realize, you know, like for a moment, you know, wow, he, I haven't talked to you in two and a half years. You know, why all of a sudden you're, you're calling me or you're texting me. And, and so he asked me, you know, Hey Rick, how are you doing? And, you know, you know, when you're, you don't want anybody to know about your problems. I started lying about the events going on in my life. You know, oh, I'm doing great. Uh, kids are good and all this kind of stuff. And something that he said, you know, he just said, you know, hey, Rick, you know, I, tell me the truth, man. What's, what's been going on in your life, man? I just want to hear about you. And I started breaking down. Uh, I started telling him all that was going on. And he started telling me about Jesus. And I said, you know, man, I don't want to hear about God right now, man. I just want to know how can I get my family back? You know, what can you do to help me? And he just told me, you know what, uh, you know, you need to give God a chance. And so at that point, I just, uh, I said, you know, man, okay, uh, you know, whatever, you know, what can I, what, what can I do? What do I need to do now? And so I said, you know, John, I don't think God's looking at me no more. And he said, you know, he said he loves you. And so he started, you know, asking me to pray. And so I prayed a sinner's prayer right there. And he gave me a pastor's phone number to call that was in my area in Georgetown. And so I called this pastor. I talked to him for about 45 minutes. And long behold, the, the guy I talked to, he wasn't even in our fellowship anymore. But he told me, he says, yeah, man, you really need Jesus. And so he gives me another number to call. And I talked to this other pastor and, uh, you know, long behold, I'm talking to him for a while. And he ended up telling me, hey, man, I'm no longer in that city. And so I'm losing my mind already. I said, you know what? I can't talk to nobody anymore. And yeah. so at the breaking point of quitting, uh, my brother uh, says, you know what? Um, don't quit. Give God a chance. And so that's when I got a hold of uh, Pastor Stevie uh, Gauna. And, uh, you know, um, Oh, so pastor Stevie was your pastor. Yes. He was my first pastor here in Texas. Uh, Amazing. he was, was pioneering out there in Georgetown and, uh, he ended up, um, you know, he asked me, you know, a simple question, hey, you know, can I come over? And I was just shocked, you know, like why, you know? And, and so he comes over and he starts talking to me and then he leads me into a prayer and, uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, the first day in church, uh, I come to the building and I'm sitting, uh, before I sit down, I'm looking around and I sit at the very front row and I hear the same voice says, I'm calling you to preach, but I want you to build first. And I was looking around me and I could not see anybody else around me. And so I kind of shook it off for a moment. Um, but I rededicated my life to Christ. I got things right with God and I started, you know, going to church. Praise God. And so, so I'm just curious, um, cause you had mentioned that you were, you were doing all kinds of drugs. Um, did, did you have, uh, did you have a hard time, uh, changing that lifestyle? <clears throat> uh, no, actually, honestly, um, what took place there was just uh, uh, really took a change from my life because I already knew uh, how it felt to be empty. 
And then for my pastor to tell me, hey, can I come over? It really meant something. You know, there was a connection that, you know what, someone was really caring. And so that really showed me a true love of God that, you know what, God is using people to go out there and reach others, especially those that are broken. And so I felt myself in a position where I lost everything. I was completely broken. Why would anyone come want to come visit me? And I felt like it was God coming to come visit me. And so, I mean, he, I mean, he spent hours in my house. I mean, this is the first time I met him. Spent hours in my house just talking. And then even the next day he would come over and he'll spend another couple hours. And then, you know, church would come and then he'll come over and fellowship and another couple of hours is just, you know, he was really into really helping me to really restructure and rebuild my life in Christ. And so I felt the love of God, you know, through them, you know, really through my pastor and his family. And, uh, you know, that's what kind of turned things around on me because, you know, I felt like, you know, everything I was going back to, the friends that I had that would provide me the drugs, you know, the drinks, you know, the partying, like none of them was there when I was broken. No one was there when it was feeling empty. Uh, you know, when I needed help, no one was around. But someone that knew nothing about me just wanted to help me. And wow. so you got delivered. Yeah, you know, I can say I, you know, uh, but, you know, I can say I, I did, but I did, you know, it was it was pretty hard over the long run because, you know, I was in and out of church still uh, because I had to kind of find. Uh, you know, like I was really looking where I'm going to do because I was, I was really struggling in my jobs. Uh, I was living single and, um, you know, I'm trying to work out with, you know, dealing with the attorneys and all those kind of things. And it was just a, such a struggle that, you know, I kind of let things get, a, uh, get ahead of me. But I remember, you know, today, you know, I remember one thing that, you know, really struck me was, uh, was that God really wanted to get a hold of me? It was when I when he, I heard those words, you know, I'm calling you to preach, but I want you to build first. I remember it so well that um, I attended a special service in Austin because Austin was our mother church at the time, and it was actually Pastor Ruby, Pastor Richard Ruby, that preached, and I remember him so well because it was my first outreach that I did when I was in Guam. Back in 1993, I did an outreach for the very first time, and it was Pastor Richard Ruby that had oh, preached wow. a, an outreach there. I mean, I'm sorry, preached a revival. And so I went to shake his hand and get to know him, and uh, he looked at me, and he says, you know, you're, you know you're calling, right? And I said, I believe I do. He says, says it's good, but you're called to build first. And that's when I knew the confirmation that God was really speaking to me. Wow, that's awesome. What was the uh, what was the state of the church, Pastor Stevie, uh, and that you you started serving God in? What what did it? How did it compare to what your church where you grew up in Guam? Uh, well, I mean, so you know the whole the whole term I believe to me was when when God said you know you called to build the church. Uh, really, it was a pioneering church. It was a pioneering setting that had about twenty to almost forty people. And the church, uh, when I first started going to the Guam church, we had about, I want to say roughly 12 to maybe 16 people. Uh, so it was around the same settings, a very, very small church, very, very small building. And to see that transformation go from that to, you know, 60, you know, 60 people, 100 people, then next, thing you know, 150, 200, and you're just, you know, you're building the church, you're really showing them all, all of a sudden you go from one building to the next building, I, I heard is that, you know, that's my call to really build the church that I'm in. And so, you know, that's what we were doing really as uh, we were out there going out reaching, uh, witnessing to people. It's like, you know what, that was, you know, it was in me to want to want to build the church. And so it, it was kind of like the same thing, you know, I wanted to see the same thing in, in Georgetown uh, when we were there. Um, Pastor Stevie was pioneering. We just wanted to see God move uh, in Georgetown. Wow. So you sounded like familiar territory. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, I mean, the old stomping grounds again, you know, you're back out there, you're, 
you're street preaching and you're witnessing. And the thing is like, you know, I remember, you know, I reaching the first time and there, you know, you only have maybe, you know, five, six people around you. And then, you know, uh, later on you end up having, you know, down the line, you end up having like 50, maybe 60 people out reaching with you. And so there's a difference. And then coming to Georgetown and all of a sudden it's his family and, 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 and me and a few others. And it's like, man, it's, you know, it really brings up all those things. And you know what, we can do this again. And so God showed me that, you know, you can do this here. You're going to do this over here too as well. And so, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, well, I'd say that's, that's a really great experience for you. Uh, now that you're going out to pioneer on your own, that's, uh, gives you, um, you know, gives you hope for expectation of what God can do. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, you know, really when, uh, when I finally got locked back in, you know, uh, to where I'm at now here in Austin, um, you know, God really showed me a lot more things that, you know, uh, I needed to, to understand, to know, uh, especially experiencing everything I did in Georgetown, you know, it really added on to what I need to do. And so really, I think for me, uh, now it's building more on, on really going out there and, uh, you know, challenging myself to expand, you know, the borders of what I do now. And so as far as like, uh, you know, as, you know, witnessing with other people and others there, now I'm only looking at going out there and just my wife and my daughter now, you know, it's like, uh, man, it's just, just us. And so, uh, you know, I think God has been preparing me for this time. And so it's going to be a, it's going to be a great experience, you know? Amen. Um, I was curious about um, about how uh, your discipleship journey. What what kind of were the biggest challenges? Did you did you still have any difficulties over over the events that um, that kind of spun you out before? Like how, how did you how did you finally deal with that, or how do you think about it now about feeling responsible for for those people committing suicide? <sighs> Well, that was a good question. Uh, so, you know, like I said, you know, failure can really, really bog you down, you know. But uh, I think whenever I got to the Austin church, you know, um, I met my my wife in there. Actually, you know, she, you know, kind of drew me, you know, drew onto me. And we end up, you know, uh, we end up, you know, I guess you can more say getting removed from the church because we end up uh, falling into fornication. Um, we got removed. And so, you know, uh, like I said, you know, what failure does is it makes you think you could, you're just going to be a failure every time uh, or things are just going to take place in your, in your life. And this is just who you are. And so what took place uh, whenever uh, we got married, we finally got married. Um, something had taken place, you know, in, in our church, uh, one of my best friends uh, had passed away and, you know, I didn't, I didn't hear about it until until we saw a picture of him in the obituary and uh, it shook me for a moment. You know, I was upset. Uh, no one told me about it, but um, you know, my wife and I ended up getting married and long behold, the person that ended up reaching out to us to come back was actually the wife of the guy that passed away my best friend, uh, one of my good friends. And so she ended up telling me, you know, that God still loves you. And so um, you know, they, I need to come back. She was really reaching out. And so, you know, I told her, so yeah, I'll come back and I'll just talk to pastor. And sure enough, I called my pastor and he said, yeah, come on back, you know, and, you know, just, you know, hear the word of God. And, and, you know, and so I did, but you know what, when, like I said, you know, when failure really is, you know, there in your heart, you feel like you can't, you can't move forward or you feel sometimes like it's like, it's a burden you have to deal with. And so me, I'm always picturing the blood in my hands, but um, there was a certain man that came in, one of the pastors, uh, Pastor Dominic Perdia. He came in and this was seven months after I had returned back to the church and he preached a sermon, a simple sermon of restructuring your life. Uh, and I felt God right come down right next to me and really sit down right next to my chair. And he said to me, he says, Rick, if you don't move forward, I'm not going to move any further with you. And that shook me to my core that I, I, you know, I went straight for the altar and I was weeping at the altar. And I said, you know what, God, 
uh, okay, um, you know what? I surrender. You know, I ask you to forgive me. I surrender everything, my life. I'm going to lay everything down. Whatever you want this day going forward, I will put on a tie. I will get dressed. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Wow. And so from that point forward, uh, it really changed everything in my life because that point forward, I didn't look back. I look at it as, you know what, God has, uh, you know, really covered everything because even after all the failures I did, he was still speaking to my heart, still speaking into my life. And I said, I know this is the call of God. And so I never, from that point forward, I was just on fire. And uh, we went to conference that year, our first conference, uh, you know, together, my, my wife and I, and Pastor Mitchell, Pastor Wayman Mitchell preached a simple sermon. And he told us, you know, if you know you're called to preach, you need to stand up. And, um, you know, I didn't stand up for a moment because I was like, you know what, do I, you know, am I still called to preach? But my wife, you know, as loving and caring as she is, she was giving me the elbow. <laughs> she was saying, you need to stand up. <laughs> and so I said, yeah, you're right. And I stood up and I went to my pastor and he told me to shadow your door director. And so every door director that stepped in, I shadowed my door director. I was there. I was faithful. And then my pastor called us, called me to, you know, to run the media. And so I said, okay, I did that. And then later on, uh, several months after that, six months down the line from there, he called me to be a Bible study leader in Bastrop, Texas. And so I fell in love with Bastrop. And I felt God call me again to Bastrop says, I'm calling you here. And so I went to Bastrop and we started a Bible study. And uh, we had tremendous favor out there in Bastrop. We were seeing visitors, uh, talking to people, witnessing to people. Uh, on our first uh, season in Bible study out there, we had seven visitors uh, to wow. our Bible study. And then the following year, we had over 15 visitors come to our Bible study. And so, uh, you know, we were seeing God move. We were praying for people, uh, really seeing God uh, move in that area too as well. And so... Uh, from that point forward, we just kind of kept on growing. And then uh, next thing you know it, I got the uh, the call to be door director. And so we took that on, uh, really try to, you know, uh, inspire the church to, to continue on. And you know what, um, you know, really, I think what put it to the most, uh, what put it to, to it all is really, you know, what, uh, surrendering and knowing that, you know, truly, you know, God really does you know, he'll cover you. And, you know, as the Bible say, you know, he blots out, you know, your sins. And, you know, for me to let that go, to really lay that to God, uh, it really, it really did something in me because then now I don't, I don't look back at my failures. I just look at, you know, what, what God's going to do. And so now we're contending to see all that God is going to do. Man, it's an, it's an incredibly hopeful testimony that you have because, um, you know, like the Bible says that a righteous man may fall seven times, uh, but he keeps getting back up. And that, that's the mark of, of the righteous. It's not that we never fail. It's not that we never fall down, but it's the fact that God will give us the strength to keep going even when you don't think you can. And uh, no doubt there's people who are going to hear this and, um, you know, we all experience failures of uh, one level of another. But maybe you could just take some time to encourage somebody right now who's maybe in the midst of a ministry failure or a moral failure. And, you know, you've been through some of these things. Maybe you could take the time to just encourage somebody in the middle of that and tell them, tell them what God can do. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, you know, the Bible says, you know, what was meant for bad, God turns it into good. And so, you know, you know, if you're, you know, whatever you're going through, you know, um, you know, God really is really in the midst of whatever you're going through. And so whether you're struggling, whether you're in some type of moral, moral failure right now, uh, maybe you're struggling with some, you know, secret sin or, you know, things that, you know, you never really want to reach out to anybody or talk to about because you're, you know, you're, you're struggling with it. You know, uh, as the Bible says, you know, um, he who hides his own sin you know, shall not prosper. And so, you know, you're looking for some type of way of freedom. The reality really is to, you know, completely surrender 
you know, uh, like I was saying, you know, I could never move forward in my ministry if I would never really, you know, come up to God and surrender completely. Uh, the reality is, you know, I had to let go of my failures. I had to call out my failures. You know, God, this is what I did. And, uh, you know, I truly laid down every single thing I've done. Uh, you know, I never really opened up too much about uh, going towards somebody. But what really put me into my place was really my pastor built built into me just the love of Christ, you know. And so the reality is maybe you're, you're going through something, you know, God really truly does love you. And so whatever it is, whether moral failure, whether, you know, you're hiding something, you know, you come to God and God would, would restore you completely. And I'm a true testimony of that because, you know, here we are, you know, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I grew up in the church, great background, good family, um, you know, but I left, walked into the world, followed the music, the drugs, the alcohol, the friends, the clubs and all these kind of things. And I've even indulged into things where I was hiding away from my pastor, hiding away from my friends in church. And so, you know, you feel this sense of, you know, like, hey, I'm covering and nobody knows and I can still do what I can do. But the reality is, is that, you know, it, it will hold you down. But if you really want true freedom, you're really going to have to surrender. And that's when you'll start to grow. That's when you'll start to prosper even more. You know, um, my prayer uh, to those out there is to really see God because, you know, God can really pull you out of some of the most, you know, things that you don't even really understand. Uh, I had a testimony about me having a, a credit score of lower than 450. And I'm here in the ministry and I'm saying, God, you know, I know you're calling me to preach, but I've, I've messed up my life so bad. I don't see myself ever going out. So there's no way I have so much debt. And I can tell you I had over 20,000 in debt and there's no way I could get out of it. But over these past three years, and I'm talking about three years, God has, you know, opened doors for me. I, uh, you know, end up getting promotion after promotion at work. My, uh, my pay rose tremendously. You know, uh, God really pulled me out of it. So three years later, I had paid off all my debt. The only thing I have left was really a car debt. And I said, okay, God, well, now I got this car debt. So it's good debt. But, you know, my prayer to God was, you know, God, I want to go into the ministry with no debt. And so this past August, you know, we got into a, a bad car wreck. And, uh, you know, what took place was I had lost uh, half the feeling on my side of my body during the accident. And God really, uh, really kind of, you know, was telling me, you know, something like, you know, uh, I was telling God, you know, God, what am I going to do now? You know, I can't feel my body. What am I going to do? How am I going to go out? You know, I'm a door director. How am I going to go out? But, uh, you know, throughout this experience, uh, you know, God really helped us out tremendously because we thought this was going to be a battle. But this overturned for the better for us because uh, right when the insurance companies called, they took claim for everything. And at the very end, they paid off our car. Uh, God has gave us increase in our, our, our income. And so uh, we're walking into the ministry now uh, with no debt. And my credit score has shot up over 680. And so if you're out there, you know, you think that, you know, it can't happen. I'm here to tell you that God can turn things around tremendously if you seek God and the kingdom of God. Wow. So the secret uh, to revival is just getting in a car wreck, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I would say <laughs> I would say that, but you know what? At the moment uh, when I got into a wreck and when I got hit, I blacked out. And um, when when the EMS team was there trying to trying to help me, I couldn't feel the left side of my body. So I was thinking, you know, hey, this might be a stroke or but I couldn't, you know, but I couldn't feel nothing, but, you know, I can still move. So it may be like a nerve damage. I was thinking of all sorts of things, you know, how am I going to do stuff? But um, uh, they were transporting me to the trauma center. And this was this past August. Uh, so they were transporting me to the tra trauma center. And the first thing that came to my heart was, you know, I got, I don't know the guy that hit me. I don't know his name. I don't know what he's going through. 
but I do know that, you know, what he did was wrong. You know, he, he ran a light and, you know, but I want to say, you know, God, I, I don't know his name, but I want to forgive him. And I said, Lord, you know, I forgive him. And I ask that you forgive him as well. And you know what? Uh, and I pray that he forgives me. And at that moment, I'm just praying. And then next thing you know it, uh, I felt something touch my body. And all of a sudden, the feeling all started coming back. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And so I felt complete deliverance there. We went to the ER and got there. They ran a CAT scan and they said, Mr. Palma, you're only thing you did is you tore a couple of muscles, you're going to recover just fine. And so I told myself when I got into that hospital, my wife came in and, you know, she was crying. And I told her, I said, you know what? I came in here in a stretcher and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out here walking. And so I told the doctors, I don't want a wheelchair. I'm going to walk out of this building tonight. And sure enough, uh, three hours later, we walked out of that building. Praise God. So, oh my goodness. That's an incredible testimony. Just an ongoing incredible testimony. I'm very excited about what God is doing in your life. Um, I'm just uh, just curious about how how you came to the decision to um, to go to Hawaii for your first ministry station. Well, um, you know, I have a brother that's out there. Um, he's also actually in the north side of Hilo, uh, Hawaii, and uh, you know, he's been out there for about seven years now. I believe it's seven years, six, seven years. And so we were out there, you know, Hawaii. I mean, everyone thinks about, you know, Hawaii being, oh, man, the beaches are out there so nice. You know, you get to surf and all this kind of stuff. But really the area that we're going to, it's it's really, it's almost third world kind of sense of a way because they don't have everything. They're not up to date as far as we are here in the U.S. And so, uh, you know, the area you're going to, it's not a tourist attraction place. Um, and so when we got there, we just fell in love with the people, you know, uh, I got the opportunity to, uh, preach for my brother out there. And, uh, one of the other pastors in Oahu, uh, pastor Jeff Pula. And so, uh, you know, it was amazing because I would see these, these, these ladies would go to the altar with no shoes on and, you know, their feet were so dirty, you know, but I was looking, I was like, why are they going to the altar? with no shoes on. And so we come to ask one of the ladies and they would tell us, she said, pastor, that's holy ground. And so you just saw the connection that the people had and the desire that they wanted to, you know, to just to hear from God or be right where God was at. And so we just fell in love with the people out there. And so, you know what, uh, you know, our pastor said, you know, what'd you think about, you know, the place? And I said, man, uh, we love it. And, you know, if we, if we had the opportunity, we'll go. And so, uh, we got the call uh, to go, and they end up announcing us actually on uh, international night because of the distance uh, it is from San Antonio. Oh wow, that's awesome! So your your wife uh, has she been to Hawaii before? Uh, it was actually her first time out there uh, to Hawaii. Uh, you know, during so, so her family is there local in Texas. Yes, her whole entire family is here. She's actually born and raised in. So this is gonna be. Uh probably a little difficult for her to leave family behind and go so far away uh yeah um you know she expressed you know how much uh she's gonna miss her family you know but uh she understands you know this is the call you know that you know what we've been we've been talking about and she believes you know what this is what god wants her to do and so she said that you know she's been in the church since 2001 you know uh in and out of church but she said she she's always known that this is something that she wanted you know wanted to do because she thought god called her to it that you're going to one day go out and pioneer as well with your husband. And, uh, you know, and here we have that opportunity, you know. Well, she was the one that told you to stand up, you know. Right, right. If it wasn't for the elbow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that's very, very encouraging, Pastor Rick. And we're, we're uh, great to hear the story. I, I wonder if there's any, uh, any specific prayer requests that we can be praying about as you're getting ready to go. Well, you know, my, my prayer really is, you know, uh, you know, God, give me your heart so I can love the way you love, you know, uh, give me your eyes so I can, you know, see the, the brokenhearted in your ears so I can hear the cries of the people. And I, you know, ask God, you know, God, give me just expand our borders, you know, help me to have favor with men and women out there and that we can reach them 
offer, you know, the glory of God. And so, you know, my prayer is, you know, God help us to move, uh, you know, just to move the mountains aside to find all that you are calling us to do. Amen. Well, Pastor Stevie Gauna was right. You've got a fantastic testimony, and I think it's, uh, uh, if if I could be so bold to just tell you to, to stick with what God has done in your life already. He has done so many amazing miracles, and the more that you tell people about those same things, um, you're going to you're gonna be a source of hope and inspiration for people as you go out there. So I'm encouraged, brother. Thank you so much for your testimony. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Pastor Mitchell. Um, uh, I really look forward to, uh, to uh, you know, hearing this out there while I'm in Hawaii too as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I should just put in a, a, a word here is that uh, something that we don't often uh, publicize too much, but uh, we do provide the premium version of this podcast free uh, for any missionaries that are out there. So if you're uh, listening to this and... Um, and you're a missionary, you uh, you get the premium versions for free, and I'd I'd be happy to provide that to you, Pastor Palma, no doubt. Oh, praise God! Well, you know, uh, oh, I love that. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, since they did announce you on Thursday night, I guess you qualify, right? Yeah, that's what we were told. Uh, you know, uh, Pastor Ruby really said that. You know, um, Hawaii is really further uh, than some of our missionaries uh, that are already out there now. And so, uh, you know, I didn't think about it for a moment, but, uh, you know, uh, being about 3,600 miles away from our mother church. And so it puts a good distance. Oh, yeah, it's a little distance. So are, are they going to be supporting you like a missionary? Or are you still going to be working out there? No, uh, we'll still be working because it's still considered domestic. Uh, I think the only reason why they launched us out on a Thursday was because of the distance and how far it was. And so, you know, really... Sure. Uh, that was one of the things. I think also uh, a couple years back, uh, they did the same in Anchorage, Alaska, I believe. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, praise God. What was your wife's name? Uh, Francesca. Francesca okay, Palma. Well, everybody, I would encourage all of our listeners to pray for Pastor Rick and Francesca Palma as they go into Hilo, Hawaii. What an incredible opportunity is before them. We're going to pray for God's fruitfulness and blessing on your life. And um, so that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Testimony Tuesday. We hope to see you next time. God bless you and thanks for listening.